Devcom. Evcol Entertainment presents Skin 2, The Session. Excuse me, I think it's here. Yeah, 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 on the left. The building with the smoked glass. Yeah, the reflective glass. Yeah. <laughs> it has the big 114 on the... What is that marble stone pillar? Do, do you see it? You do? Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> Just let me get my bags out. Sorry, sorry, they're so frustrating. They're a little more cumbersome than I'd imagined they would be. <laughs> Silly me. Now, uh, how, how much? I know I said I'd put it on my card, but if it's under £20, I'll pay cash. Nineteen fifty. Well, we'll do cash. <laughs> look, look, here's another couple of pounds. Oh, thank you for getting me here so quickly. It's good to know all those years learning the knowledge paid off, isn't it? <laughs> you took some shortcuts I doubt even Satnav would have known about. You're very kind. Right, yes, the one-way system. It does keep changing, I know. Anyway, I, I must go. I I'll be late for my appointment otherwise. You be safe on the roads. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I hope you can help me. I'm looking for Dr. Boyden's office. Ah, okay, the eighth floor. So that would be elevator three and right and then right. Oh, thank you so much. You're very helpful. <laughs> Lovely flowers. Yes, those ones behind you. Oh, they are very bright and cheery. Thanks again for your help. And his reception is first left and then it's on the right. Oh, I see. And there'll be someone there. Wonderful. Most helpful. <laughs> you have a lovely day. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my bags, they're a bit... Oh, could you excuse me? I'm so sorry. I, I can't reach the button. Could you, could you press number eight for me? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Very kind. Oh, my goodness, this is a tight squeeze, isn't it? Right, this is me. Oh, excuse me. Could I just squeeze through? It's, it's very cosy. If, if you could just thank you. Oh, oh, my bag. It seems to be caught. Just let me... Oh, there you go. We're untangled. Now he said left and then... There it is. It's on the right. My goodness, look at that glass shine. They must have a decent cleaning service here. Maybe I should find out who they use and ask our housekeeping department to look into it. Our building's looking a bit tired lately. It could do with some infused and vigilant cleaners. Hmm. Where to press? Yes, I see. Can I help you? Oh, I hope so, yes. I'm here for my 11.45 appointment. It's Shawwood. Ms Vivian Shawwood. Oh, yes, Ms Shawwood. Please, do come in. 
Good morning. I I'm a little early. I, I didn't know how long it would take me to find the place, so I gave myself more time than I obviously needed. <laughs> Not a problem, Miss Shawwood. The doctor is with another client now, but he'll be with you shortly. Can I get you some tea? Oh, now that would be lovely. Thank you. Herbal or English? Oh, herbal would be lovely. Uh, mint, if you have it? Oh, we do indeed. Please, take a seat and I'll be back shortly. Thank you. It's a lovely office. Oh, thank you. The doctor designed it himself. It's very relaxing and welcoming. <laughs> Here's your tea and some biscuits. Oh, how kind. Chocolate. I better not get any on my blouse. It's linen, you know. It looks and feels lovely, but it can be a bind to clean. Recycled. Um, sorry? My blouse. It's made from 100% recycled material. We all need to do our bit, don't we? Indeed. I try my best. Oh, good for you. The company I buy my blouses from really do push the boat out with their eco-message. <clears throat> our products are designed to be returned to us when they're worn out. Oh. We manufacture the material into new products using renewable energy. This is the future of fashion, a circular economy. Well, something like that. Oh, that's encouraging. I like to think so. And um, the, the biscuits, are they regular or gluten-free? Um, I'm not quite sure. The doctor was most insistent on this particular brand. He likes things just so, he told me. Uh, now, when was it? Oh, yes, a couple of weeks ago. That serving clients with chocolate biscuits was a tactical move. Really? How so? Well, too much chocolate on the biscuit and it might look like you're overcompensating for something. Mm. Whereas too little, um, well, it might make people think you're a bit, <laughs> you know... Stingy. Yeah, well, I see he has put a lot of thought into it. But as impressive as they look, and I can see that the ratio of chocolate to biscuit does seem most appropriate, I'm vegan, so I can't have anything dairy. Oh, I see. I'll take them away then and pop them back into the packet to keep them fresh. Thank you. Oh, but the tea is lovely. Just the right temperature. I'll let you settle before you see the doctor. But do call if you need anything. Thank you. I like your shoes, by the way. Oh, thank you. Calf leather. Oh, mm. they're really soft. Oh. Yes. Well, we all need to follow our convictions, don't we? Mm. Mine are recycled plastic from the Pacific. Oh. We all really should try hard, you know, to save the planet for future generations. Indeed. <laughs> I'll let you know when the doctor's ready. Rebecca will take care of your next appointment. Uh, don't worry about the paperwork. We can expedite that. Mrs Alsop, I'll book you in for the same time next week. Miss Sharwood. Yes, uh, Dr Boyden. Indeed. Please, come on through. Oh, I see you have some bags, would you? Would you prefer to leave those outside? Rebecca can take no. care of them. No, oh. thank you. I, I need these with me. I see. Well, please, this way. Take a seat. My goodness. <laughs> what 
What a wonderful view of Tower Bridge and the River Thames. You could spend hours simply watching the world go by. Mm, it's one of the reasons I located here, the view. Oh. It's captivating at times to, as you say, watch the world go by. You are so fortunate. My view is the back end of a department store. The emergency fire escape, all metal and brick. Mm. It's hardly inspiring. Oh, yes, I am lucky. Oh, but it must have cost you a fortune. Well. Oh, oh, I am so sorry. That's absolutely none of my business. Please do forgive me. Let's sit over here if you don't mind. I assure you the chairs are most comfortable. Thank you. So, Miss Sharwood... If you're happy with me addressing you that way... Oh, please, call me Vivian. After all, I'm about to expose myself to you. <laughs> that came out all wrong. I, I, I don't mean expose in the physical. Now, <laughs> that would be so wrong and inappropriate. <sighs> I mean my thoughts uh, and what's on my mind. So yes. there is no need to be formal. As you wish. So, why don't we just start by talking informally about what brought you here today, hmm? I see from your preliminary notes that you've seen a number of other doctors. Mm. So, am I right in thinking you're not entirely satisfied with their help and wanted another opinion? Well, you could say that. You see, well, my situation is... Now, how can I put this? It's a complicated one, and, and so far, and I'm hoping that my search will end here, no one has been truly able to help me with my little problem. Would you feel comfortable simply jumping in and letting me know what the issue is, or shall we gently explore your circumstances? Oh, we can jump straight in. Mm. Uh, how long is my session? Fifty-five minutes. And if we feel as though I'm being of benefit to you, we can arrange additional sessions as to your needs. I see. Well, let's not waste any time with small talk, shall we? No. I do need to get my money's worth. <clears throat> now, um... Dr. Boyden, I'm going to look you straight in the eye and tell you what's going on with me. Mm. Uh, how does that sound? As you wish. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Oh, you are so well-mannered. Doctor, you see... Well, the fact is, I... Well, I, I have this urge, and it's not been satiated, no matter how hard I try and... Heaven knows I have tried my level best, but it's causing me no end of problems. What with planning and preparations and oh, the cost, my goodness, the cost. And with inflation and tariffs when ordering from overseas, it is never ending. And well, this urge, well, do you know it's more of a humanitarian requirement, which is all-consuming. It, it's to, well... Well, it's to kill people. And on occasion, though this is not strictly true in every instance, the, the need to skin them and to make my winter wardrobe from their flesh. I see. And may I ask how long these, shall we say, arges have been going on for? Four years. And a number of your victims... Sixteen, to date. Hmm. And you say preparations. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, it depends. I like to mix it up a little. Doing them all the same would be boring and uncreative. 
I mean, if you're going to take someone's life, you know, snub them out, use some initiative. There have been a variety of ways I've ended someone's existence. I've skinned a few, charbroiled another. Oh, then there was the acid bath, the decapitation of two, oh, no, three. I emptied the stomach of another whilst they were still conscious. It's a, a truly remarkable thing to see the, the very life drain away, evaporate, vanish from someone. I wonder what was going through their minds as they took their last breath. Ah, well, guess we'll never know, as I'm a firm believer that we don't come back, you know. You know, have another life, another shot at walking this planet. No, for me, when you're done, you're done, and that's that. I often feel this reincarnation lark is for those who feel they've, well, missed out on something and want to think they'll get another shot at making the best of things a second time around. Well, that's a little bit egotistical, if you ask me. I mean, who decides whether you're worth giving another go to? No, for me, with this death business, ending the life of someone, well, you want to make it as bold and artistic as possible do you not think? Artistic. That's a bit flamboyant of me. Of course, no one has ever seen my work. I'm a private kind of person, you see, so there aren't any photos. Maybe a, a couple of mementos, but just token gestures, as one could slip into being ostentatious. <laughs> and we wouldn't want that. <laughs> I'll have MI5 on my case, and they'll be writing a case history on me, like they do at Quantico, you know, with the FBI. And then some bright spark will make a movie. Oh, God, it'll go on and on. And they'll be calling me the female Ted Bundy, or whoever the current serial mm. killer celebrity is this week. Yes, indeed. Uh, Miss Sherwood. Vivian, before we go on, I mm. need to clarify a couple of things, if I may. Uh, of course. Your notes indicate that despite visiting far five other psychiatrists, no medication has ever been prescribed, just so I can update what I have in my records. Oh, goodness. I'm not a big believer in Western medication per se. I mean, quite apart from all the animal rights issues. You know, all of those chemicals... And, of course, much of what is prescribed is still in its infancy mm. in terms of the very long-term effect on our well-being. So, well, I'm not sure that taking it will really help. Right. You know, I read recently that there's a lawsuit against one of the pharma giants who make antidepressants. There are claims that one of their drugs has put some people into comas. Now, who would want to take medication when there are side effects like that? Herbal tea is enough for me. Mm. And my essence diffuser, lemongrass, works best. Yes. And when you say kill, are you talking, shall we say, uh, metaphysically or literally? Well, now that is indeed the question. Well, in my mind, I have, of course, killed literally hundreds of people. From the chap in Starbucks to the woman who ripped, yes, ripped my coat with the end of her umbrella last winter when she was pushing and shoving on the tube. It was so rude. But, Doctor, let me ask you this as an answer to your question. What is literally? Is that an actuality? Well, 
Can I ask what you mean by that? Well, if I were a gamer and lived my life through online gaming, then well, my perception of reality might be a little different to yes. someone, say, who who doesn't play online gaming and who works in a, a bakery, hmm. doesn't socialise, and whose sole role in life is to make sure that the bloomer loaf doesn't burn. Now, their lives could be completely different, both engulfed in their own realities and who probably have completely different perceptions of what is real to them. Am I making sense or, yes. or going round the houses? So, if I am understanding you correctly, you're saying that we all have different perceptions of reality, even if we do in fact live. This, for example, here and now, the two of us right now sitting talking in this office, this is what most people would consider as the real world. What I'm saying to you, in as truthful a way as my brain will allow, is that I have killed 16 people to date, and on occasion I use their skin to make costume accessories and even a bedside lamp. I can't help myself. They all deserve to die. Of course, I'm not someone who randomly goes out and selects someone, like, well, for example, you'd pick up a pineapple in the supermarket. <laughs> there were and are always reasons, which change as the months go on. I mean, we all need to grow and evolve, don't we? It wouldn't do for us to remain ensconced in the same existence, but essentially there are certain members of society that we can well do without. And I'm helping said society expunge those members in a clean and efficient manner and in an eco-friendly way when I can, which is the way forward for all of us if we're to survive as a species. Yes. Recycle their matter, not their aura, right. to best benefit those of us who remain. Yes, I see. And just so... How can I put this? You allow me to enter into your reality as you yourself so we could well have different perceptions of reality, right? Mm -hmm. And in order for me to help you, I need to come across to your world to help understand you better, and in turn hopefully help you understand yourself. Now these 16 people, are they in your reality, or in the general reality the rest of the world accepts? Oh, you're asking if they're actually really real. Exactly. Real, living, breathing people who, yes. who consume valuable oxygen and eat and drink resources that could better be given to those more worthy. Mm. Yes. Then they're real. I see. And my other question, just for reference, is there a history of uh, psychological or mental illness in your family, either close or maybe a distant relative? No, you know... That before, not that I can recall. Mm. My mother used full sugar Coca-Cola to clean the silverware, and my, right. my father liked to deep fry Brussels sprouts and add a pinch of garlic crystals just to give them some additional flavour. But well, other than that, I I don't think to. Do you know? Wait. Mm. Wait just a moment. There, there was my aunt. My mother's sister's sister, so so a distant aunt who was from a previous marriage, so we're not blood-related as such, but... Yes, she liked to bake butter beans in lard 
add some cinnamon, mush it into a paste, and then feed it to the squirrels in the park. Oh, she was convinced they loved it. Well, I'm not so oh, sure myself, but well, there you so, go. It's no one. Just to be clear. No one blood related to you has ever had the need to see a psychologist or psychiatrist in the past. No. Hmm. Why, Doctor? Are you thinking that I'm, well, how shall we say this, um, unhinged? Oh, I think it's a little too early to come to any diagnosis at present. I think we need to spend some time talking through your issues first before I can truly and constructively help. Ah. I see you're a man who likes to veer towards a path of caution. Well, in my experience, I found that letting a client talk out their feelings helps enormously. It would be wrong for me to just jump in to any conclusions at present. Mm. After all, we've only just begun our time together, and I can sense from the few minutes that we've already chatted, there's a lot you might want to work through. That is a wise suggestion. <laughs> I can see why they pay you the big bucks. Mm. So, if I may... I'd like to take you back to the beginning. My childhood. Oh, there's nothing interesting there. It was all pigtails and hopscotch. Mm. Well, maybe. Yes. Well, it was such a long time ago. It was it was back in primary school. I, I must have been nine. No, ten. Yes, ten. There was a young boy called Jeremy who was a bit of a bully. Actually, I heard recently from a friend who I've not spoken to for years, but we touched base on Facebook. It's very useful at times, you know, Facebook, though it's been getting a lot of bad press recently for not, well, you know, looking after itself and abetting the promotion of extreme views. And Anyway, that aside, I, I, I heard from Dawn. <laughs> she was a character. She used to pull her knickers up really high so all the boys could see her bum cheeks. <laughs> she was a devil. <laughs> But, but I, I digress. Well, she told me that he, Jeremy, the bully, well, he married a tinker, you know, a traveller, mm. and he used to beat her. Well, the father of the girl found out, and it wasn't long before a dog walker, taking his beloved beagle out for a morning stroll in the woods, found Jeremy's body hanging from a tree, completely naked, with his man parts cut off and stuffed into his mouth. Shocking. But there you go. It doesn't pay to misbehave and treat people badly. He should have just stuck to watching football and self-pleasuring. After the Saturday night match, he might have lived longer. And did you have anything to do with that? Oh, goodness, no. No. I haven't seen him for years. In fact, I haven't been back to Staplefoot, my hometown, for, well, as long as I can remember. No, no, I just heard about it. And it made me think that maybe I could have been the root cause of some of his problems. How so? Well, it was in the playground, the 10.30am break, and this Jeremy was bullying a boy called Gerald, who was always dirty, unwashed, but was as sweet as sweet could be. And I'd been watching this continued bullying for a while. It had been going on for a few weeks. Well, I'd had enough, and I stood up from playing marbles with Catherine Wilkinson. And I was winning, which rubbed salt into the wounds as I had to forfeit. And I went over to Jeremy and I shoved him hard in the chest, telling him to cut it out. Well, he raised his hand to me. 
Ah, I found out later that his father used to hit his mother. They lived on Travone Avenue, just down the road from me, and Norman Wilkes, who also lived on Travone, said the police were often called out because of the shouting and suspected domestic violence, and, well, before he could slap me, I shoved a pear drop, you know, the hard-boiled sweet, right up his nose, and then I punched him in the nose, which pushed the sweet further up. Well, he started to tear up. He made a lunge for me, but I kicked him in the shin, which made him hop around, and all the other kids started to laugh. (laughs) He went off in a sulk, threatening to sort me out after school, but he never showed his face. In fact, he kept well away from me for the rest of my time at that school. Do you think I scarred him? I mean, is it my fault he ended up with his man bits in his mouth, hanging naked from a tree in Wilson's Woods. Well, I'm sure there were many issues affecting... Jeremy, you say his name was? Yeah. Hmm. Childhood and the playground is often a cause for long-term issues. Well, yes. I mean, children can be so cruel. Of course, Jeremy was a bit of a bastard, and I couldn't help but smile when I heard what happened to him. I had a lovely teacher at my primary school, Mrs. Ellens. She stood up to Jeremy. And as far as I can remember, there was a break-in at her house which was next to the school. Everyone knew it was Jeremy. But for some reason, the police couldn't prove it. He trashed the place and even strung up Sam, her 16-year-old Labrador. And he was never the same again. Sam, that is. And Mrs. Ellens wasn't someone to mess with. Well, I remember... One evening, when we were coming back from swimming lessons, and she very kindly insisted on driving a couple of us home, and she inadvertently let slip that she'd seen Jeremy walking down the road just outside the school. Apparently, he could see her coming and just laughed at her. This was after the break-in incident. Do you know what she did? What? Let me tell you. Well, she pressed her foot down hard on the accelerator... And she drove her car straight at him. He apparently was being cocky and didn't move. And she clipped him with the wing of her car, knocked his hip, sent him hurtling into the ditch and then carried on. Probably on her way to Sainsbury's to do some shopping. He never reported it. Nothing was ever said. He never bothered her again. Maybe that was the justice she was looking for. And she certainly wasn't going to get it through the proper legal channels. Maybe that's something that's remained with me all these years. You know, that there's there's different kinds of justice. You just have to find the one that gives you the inner peace you need. Oh, listen to me, recounting tales of old. Now, with regards to your encounter with Jeremy, mm. is this the only instance where you physically took matters into your own hands before... Before... Oh... Before the first of the sixteen. Well, um, yes. Right. Yes, I'm sure there weren't any other, how can I say, drastic incidents. More thoughts than anything else. Thoughts? How so? (laughs) Well, you you might think this silly of me, but I came up with this this device, (laughs) mental strategy, so to speak. Mm. So if I was getting stressed by someone, or something, but... It was usually someone. I'd close my eyes and think of my death bus. Death bus? Oh, you're going 
going to think I'm a bit silly. It's it's nothing. Please forget I ever said no, anything. No, 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 not at all. Please do tell. It might be extremely useful. Will it give you a window into my soul? Well, I'm not sure I'd go that far. But self-coping mechanisms are often very personal and can be enlightening in situations we find ourselves in. You coming to me and asking for my help. I think any means by which I can understand you better should be explored, do you not think? Well, you are the doctor. You have all the certificates on the wall to prove it. (laughs) It must have cost an absolute fortune to get all these framed. And you've gone for the cream border mount as well. Very professional. But why don't you tell me about the death bus? Yes, again. Right, right. My death bus. Well, it's simply this. In my mind, I have an old, well, traditional, red London double-decker bus with the open door at the back, which you used to be able to hop on and off. Well, all the people who have done me wrong or have annoyed me that particular week are given a place on this bus. There is a conductor, of course, who, depending on how irritating I've found the individual who's been given a seat on the bus has been, decides upon where you're placed. You see, at the end of each week, the bus trundles along the dirt track that leads to, let's say, the South Foreland Lighthouse on the White Cliffs of Dover. Oh, I remember looking at the website about the White Cliffs and reading about the lighthouse, and it said, A guided tour of the lighthouse offers not only a fantastic story, but ends with a spectacular view from the balcony. Step outside with us and see the cliffs stretch out for miles all around you. Get a bird's eye view of St. Margaret's Village and completely uninhibited views across the channel. Sounds beautiful. And they weren't wrong. Oh, and the tea shop. Simply delicious. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Mrs. Knott's Tea Room. Indulge in a cream tea or delicious homemade cake. And sit and watch the world's busiest shipping lane go by from the comfort of a picnic bench. (laughs) So it... It does seem a bit of a shame that the route of my death bus goes right past these two lovely places. But it needs to, well, go off a cliff, to be honest. And the white cliffs are so lovely. But it's only metaphorical, so there's no real environmental damage, is there? And the people, well, you see, they're glued to their seats. Well, their hands are glued onto the seat rail in front of them. Literally. So if they pull hard, they'll rip off their flesh. Which one or two have done, in in my mind, of course. Causing great upset to their fellow passengers and, and spraying blood everywhere as a couple have nicked their veins. Again, in my mind, of course. And, and then the bus goes over the cliff and I'll have a photo taken of their faces. It's, it's, it's a camera, you know, like they have at Alton Towers or, or Chessington World of Adventures, where they take a photo of you riding the vampire or Ramesses' Revenge. So everyone looks so shocked and frightened. <laughs> well, they would, wouldn't they? If they're about to plunge to their deaths. And the seat allocation, oh yes, that well. Those people who have been particularly repugnant are seated towards the rear of the upper deck. So they see all those in front of them 
smash to pieces before their turn comes. <laughs> I see. You're very specific in your description. Mm. You must have taught a great length about this death. Death bus, yes. Well, it took me a little while to create it, but as I sorted out the details, I became so much calmer. And, of course, people can be re-deathed, so to speak. I mean, they can have a reprieve at the weekend, say. And then, if they start being irritating the next week, well... <laughs> on they pop, back on the bus, ready for another trip over the edge. So, <laughs> you say this was a device you created to help you calm your feelings of harm in others. Mm. If that's the case, then why did you... As you yourself have admitted to me, feel the need to take this one step further and actually kill people. As I mentioned, it was four years ago. To be honest, it was a, a gradual build-up of things. You know, events and circumstances, this and that. I mean, nothing specific. I guess it all started with animal welfare and trophy hunting and a company intranet posting about the Trump boys and their blatant cruelty. I was trying to figure out who my first victim would be. There were a lot of candidates. There often are when you start really looking into something like this, you know, deciding who to kill. But in the end, it was our marketing manager. Yeah. Oh, yes. He was the one. And what happened? I arranged a blind date, drugged him, bundled him into the back of a zip hire car, took him back to my cellar, where I stripped him, and then, whilst he was still conscious, I skinned him. Unfortunately, he didn't make it past the point when I ripped his face off. No, well, the shock to the body, as I'd already sliced off some of his skin, along with the loss of blood, well... I guess it was all too much for him and he passed out. And you did this because of an intranet posting? You think it a bit extreme? I don't think that my personal opinions on the matter are either important or relevant at present. As initially, we're here today to help you come to terms with the, let's say, issues that brought you to my office. I see. Doctor, mm. can I be honest with you? Yes, of course. Please do. When we are in this room together, what is said here is completely confidential. It's a bit like a priest confessional. Uh. Not that I'm religious, no. If anything, I, I sway more towards Buddhism than anything else. Confessional. To a point. Though I must inform you that if I think you're in any way a serious threat, danger if you like. To either yourself or the public. Or maybe to you. Indeed. Or to me. Then I have a duty to call the necessary authorities. Do you think I will be called upon to do such a thing? Oh no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Goodness, you went all serious there for a moment, very steely-eyed. Mm. No, no, there won't be any need for that. As I said, I'm all pigtails and hopscotch, right. perfectly harmless. Good. Then maybe go back to my question. Do you think that the measures you say you undertook because of a company intranet posting, were a little extreme. Even if they were, let's say, mere thoughts, rather than something that actually happened. Oh, I see what you're thinking. Where you're going with this. And and to answer your question, it, it was a bit of an aggressive move to kill him, to skin him. But I thought he deserved it. And I was getting increasingly frustrated with the world and what was going on. But when you say actually happened, mm. 
I have this feeling, and forgive me if I've misread your words, but I have this feeling that you don't believe me. Oh. Am I right? Well, let's step into the reality we are considering as the world as a whole, rather than our own individual realities. You're right with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in truth, you really don't believe me and are just humouring me. Well, the world reality. Okay, now let's think about this now, just for a moment. You say that you have killed, what, 16 people? That's right, 16. Right, so, well, that's a lot of people. And I'm guessing if I made that the majority of these people are in London? Yes. Hmm. I don't get too much free time to travel outside of Zones 1 and 2. I right. occasionally visit my friend June. She lives right. in Wandsworth, but yes. that's only once every five or six weeks. I mean, maybe yeah. even less yes. than that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, even with your occasional visits to June, your entire time is spent in the city of London and the East End. That's right. Well... The way you're saying it makes me feel slightly guilty I don't get out more. Oh, no, 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 no. Please be assured, that's not my intention at all. But what I'm saying is that if you have killed all these people, mm. well, then why hasn't there been any media coverage? Sixteen people, even though London is heavily populated, is a considerable figure, and one would think that someone, a family member, friend, or even a work colleague would have at least reported one or more of them missing. Especially in this day and age where CCTV and social media keep a watchful eye on our every move. You know what? You do have a point. I thought we might touch on this. So I've come prepared. I have. <laughs> That's what the bags are for. And why I needed to bring them in rather than leave them with Rebecca. Prepared? Yes. But can I suggest, just to throw this out there, that... Maybe the reason no one is even the slightest bit worried about the possibility that there's a <laughs> crazed serial killer out there yes. is because, <laughs> well, I'm good at what I do. Good? Yes, at not getting caught. That's what all the planning has been about. All the internet searches, all the research, and the bloody cost. I mean, who'd have thought that, say, someone like me, and uh, I think I can say this without feeling too despondent, a, a middle-aged, reasonably well-educated, employed, debt-free, well, relatively so, I mean, that's not counting my John Lewis card, healthy and a, a good friend to a lot of people. I mean, I'm always there at the end of a telephone if anyone needs me. And you can't say that about too many people these days, especially living in a city. Well, that someone like me would go around London, as although I know it's risky, I do like to keep things local. As I want to be home by ten or so and mop up the cretins, bigots, racists, chauvinists and other society dregs who seem to slip between the cracks of an increasingly materialistic and divided populace. I see. So, and forgive me if I'm a step behind you, but I'm trying to take in and assimilate all that you're saying to me. But, well... Where's the proof? Yes. Not that I want you to feel burdened with me having any doubts regarding your claims, but I need to differentiate between these realities we were speaking of earlier. I am absolutely on board with what you're saying. Good. In short, you want to truthfully know whether I'm a deluded loon who watches too many TV dramas and clearly has a great deal of time on her hands, well. or whether there really is something to what I'm telling you. Precisely. This is why I needed to bring the bags. 
Now, I, I just need to unwrap this. It's a, it's a bit delicate, so one really needs to take care to make sure it's safe and protected. So let's take off the bubble wrap and newspaper. Uh, there we go. And, uh, oh, isn't that satisfying? I love popping these bubble wrap air blisters. It's so therapeutic. Oh, goodness. And if, if we just pull this away here, and yes, undo that little bit of sticky tape, and then we pull it out, and uh, voila! There. Shall I place it on the table, or would you like a closer look? The table will be fine. Dr. Boyden, meet Andrew Farnsworth, my ex-marketing manager, who was last seen four years ago as he left the office of the technical software company I work for to go on a blind date at a trendy Hackney Wick pub which supports East End microbreweries. I see. Oh, it is real, the skull. It's not a theatrical prop like the ones you can hire from the National Theatre. This is my first victim, the one I drugged and skinned in my cellar. (laughs) This was the one who responded to my post on the company intranet about animal trophy hunting. (laughs) And what's funny, (laughs) if indeed that is the right word, is that it wasn't going to be Mr Farnsworth. No, it wasn't going to be him. It was going to be Mike in digital support. He has wandering hands, you see, and it was becoming a huge cause for concern among the female employees. I dealt with him later. Mike, that is. He was victim number five. Doctor, are you all right? You're looking a little pale. I'm absolutely fine. I'm intrigued by your story. No, not story. Your issues and why you felt the need to bring a skull to our first meeting. Well, um, to be honest, I, I didn't know how it was going to go. You know, what with the five previous doctors not really being able to help me. And, well, mm. I thought I should bring some... some... some sort of backup. Right. No, I'm not really sure if that's the right terminology. Well, just out of curiosity, and you don't need to reveal anything you feel might be compromising... Why did you visit so many professionals before coming to see me? I'm not, for a moment, suggesting you should have come here first. After all, I might be an addition to the list of those who weren't able to help you. Mm. But five. Five. That's a lot of people. Oh, there were numerous reasons. I don't mind talking about it at all. Dr. Martin had terrible skin, clearly didn't shower, and there was this this mouldy smell, which was terribly unpleasant. And when we were talking, we only had two sessions, it was extremely off-putting. It, oh, it smelt as though I were in a cave. No, no, a cavern. Oh, the dampness had been lingering for years. Dr. Swithenshaw was sweet, but clearly didn't believe a word I was saying. It was only one session with her, short and sweet. She bit her nails a lot, and I found that slightly unnerving. After all, I was the one going in for help. There were a couple of moments I thought we ought to switch places. (laughs) And then John, uh, sorry, Dr. Bergen, well, the less said about him, the better. Such beady eyes, and I didn't like his office. Then Dr. James, who proved to be the most successful, but, well, she had personal issues and had to cancel our remaining sessions. Well, at least that's what she said. And then, well, there was Dr. Malcolm Hardyside, who I killed. Sorry. Killed? Oh, yes. He was a toad, quite condescending, belittling. He clearly didn't believe a word I was saying. 
and thought his time too precious to be dealing with the likes of me. I remember a couple of extremely unprofessional remarks he made. One, one went along the lines of, uh, You clearly have an innate need to talk and be listened to by a captive audience, along with unquestionable issues of feeling like a victim and a deluded sense of fantasy of what harm you might like to inflict on people who you deem unworthy and have crossed your path. He suggested I join the local Women's Institute and bake cheese scones. Now, you might think that I'd have been offended by that, but I wasn't. Not in the slightest. My friend Nicky is the chair of the local Women's Institute, and they do great things. And I love scones. In fact, mine are quite good, moist, even the cheese ones. So no, no, actually, I wasn't bothered about that. I did think his tone was rather inappropriate. And although he has every right to think the thoughts he'd like to think, well, you don't go round saying them out loud, especially in a session. You should just keep them to yourself. But you killed him. Oh, yes. Well, I wasn't going to let him get away with that, especially at the prices he was charging. And, to be honest, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but he wasn't very good. I think he was a day drinker, if you ask me. You know, adds a little something special to his morning coffee. Well, maybe it's wrong of me to cast such aspersions, but yes, he had to go. And I bet you're dying. Well, maybe not dying, bad choice of word, but eager to know what happened, how he met his end. Oh, yeah, sure you are. (laughs) Well, there is no problem with me telling you as, well, as I've said... I'm pretty good at what I do, so there is no proof. Though it might be good if you do a check on his current status. Now that's an idea. A check? Why don't you, as I'm telling you what happened, get Rebecca to do a Google search on Dr Malcolm Hardyside and see what she comes up with. That way we can carry on talking and she can verify I'm not just spinning you a fantastical yarn. Shall we do that? Yes, let's. Hmm. Rebecca, I'd like you to do something for me. Yes, Dr. Boyden? I'd like you to look up Dr. Malcolm Handy. Hardy. Oh, Hardy side. Excuse me, yes. Hardicide. Dr. Malcolm Hardicide. See what you can find about him and then buzz me right back. Don't wait until the end of Miss Sharwood's session. Certainly, Doctor. I'll take care of that right now. Thank you. Shall I continue? Yeah, please do. Well, Dr. Malcolm Hardyside. As I've said, I thought he was being disrespectful, and so a couple of nights after our last session, after which I decided there'd be no more, well, I waited for him outside his office near Southwark Park. I was careful to make sure there was no one around, and he had clearly had a couple of drinks. He really shouldn't have thought about driving. Very naughty, but... Well, then, as he wasn't going to go very far, it really didn't matter. So, as he was getting into his car at the back of the building, I called out to him. And as he turned, I sliced his femoral artery. It was very swift. As he collapsed, I bashed the side of his head with an ox combination rubber mallet 24 ounce, which stunned him into silence. Are you surprised? I'm guessing you are. Well, he bled out within four minutes. I bundled him into the hire car. You know, I have spent an 
absolute fortune on hire cars while fulfilling this quest of mine. They should be giving me the equivalent of air miles. Anyway, as I said, I bundled him into the trunk of the car, which was laid out with plastic, and then, using two five-gallon containers of water mixed with bleach and vinegar, I swilled down the ground where only moments earlier he had been rummaging through his pockets trying to find his car keys. <laughs> well, I needed to make sure the blood was washed away as much as I could. Mind you, there's so much knife crime in London these days, anyone looking at the ground might have just thought, well, that's unfortunate, another stabbing. Oh, the youth of today, drug-related, I guess, you know, the usual guff. By sheer coincidence, I had just booked a short five-day polar bear cruise. I so wanted to experience an Arctic expedition to the remote island of Spitsbergen and into the land of the polar bear as a treat to myself. So, with time not being on my side, as I usually spent longer in the planning stages, but the good doctor had somewhat infuriated me, I secured Dr Hardyside in my cellar, dismembered him and liquidised his bones and organs with a new, high-speed, all-in-one set, Industrial Strength Pro Series Blender. Then, later that night, I took the liquidised doctor to the Bethnal Green Poets Estate Community Garden, and quietly and anonymously donated what remained of him as fertiliser to a couple of the vegetable plots. And I must say... When I walked by the garden the other day, their tomatoes are the plumpest and reddest that I've seen in years. So there must have been some goodness in terms of nutritional value in the doctor. I bet they taste splendid on a garden salad. You know, one of the five a day. I kept his tongue, just because I wanted a keepsake that's pickled, and his right leg just below the knee. Now that... I packed into my luggage for the cruise to see the polar bears. And after supper one night with the captain and a group of lively young lads from Stockport, when the ship had nearly reached its destination, I quietly tossed the leg over the side, hoping that some hungry polar bear might snack on it. Again, recycling is the key to a planet in crisis. Yes, Rebecca. I found the information. Would you like to hear? Yes, please. Well, it appears that Dr Hardyside went missing uh, several months ago. His receptionist left at the usual time on the day of his disappearance, and then, well, there's not a trace of him. His car was still at the office, but... Well, the police found traces of blood on the ground, but uh, it looks as though it had been washed away with... bleach and vinegar, so the report says, but nothing else... Well, the case went quiet for a while, but then... Well, there's something strange. Strange? Mm, yes. It appears that a body part washed up in a Norwegian fjord, and through Interpol they matched the DNA to Dr Hardyside. Isn't that random? Indeed. Does it say what body part? Mm, let me see. Oh, yes, here it is. Uh, lower right leg. Thank you, Rebecca. Is everything all right, Dr Boyden? Yes, yes, absolutely. That'll be off for now. Oh, dear, now that is a disappointment. Disappointment? Well, yes, the leg. The bears, they looked so thin. I mean, Dr Hardyside's leg was only a gesture, a snack, if you like, but it would have been something for them to chew on. Still, best laid plans and all that. Mm. 
I suppose it'll remain in a forensic lab, atrophying, unless they store it in a solution of some kind. Otherwise, well, they could hand it back to his wife. At least she'd have something to bury. Oh, I don't know, did he have a wife? I'm really not sure. Well, at least there's one thing. And that's that. He can no longer be rude or dismissive to anyone, especially in a professional situation. Doctor, uh, are you all right? You have gone a little pale. Uh, yes, absolutely fine. So, if I'm reading you correctly, you have this, shall we say, urge to kill people who cause you, well, mental anguish. Well, in a word, yes. Yeah. Though it really didn't start that way. No, it was a genuine repulsion of the way humanity and the world was and still is heading. That's still the underlying feeling I have. We we really do need to help ourselves save ourselves, if that's the right way of putting it. Because, well, if we don't do something soon, well, it's curtains, isn't it? There'll be no more need for movie sequels, will there? Yes, indeed. Now, despite your story... No, your recounting of the Dr. Hardeside situation. Currently, and I need to make myself absolutely clear... Although you've placed a realistic-looking skull on my table and claim it belongs to your first well, victim... Well, it doesn't really belong to him now, does it? He's dead. But let me continue to follow through with my train of thought, just for a moment. Of course, Doctor. Sorry. No, no, there's, there's no need to be sorry. I'm not here as Judge and Jerry. I'm here because you have asked for my help. Now, some may be alarmed at what you've confessed, if you like. But not you. I have many thoughts at present. However, my primary interest is your well-being... And I think the fact that you're even telling me what you've done is cathartic in many ways. Is it helpful to you? Oh, yes. You're far more open to my situation than anyone I've met previously. Of course, most don't know the true ins and outs, because, well, well, those with a less open and liberal view of the world, well, mm. they would have called the police by now, wouldn't well, they? Yes, that may be so. However, with what you have just told me, even with this skull... I stand by a comment I made earlier when I said that currently, and this is not to disparage anything you may have revealed to me, there really isn't any proof. Is there? And you yourself have made abundantly clear that you are very good at what you do, and have covered your tracks, and all that goes with that. So, what I have to work with is what's going on in your head. Nothing more than that. Well, I suppose you're right. Although I can categorically claim that this is Andrew Farnsworth's skull, though it has been through the dishwasher a few times, and I bleached it, simply because I used it for Halloween every year to scare away the local feral children, and I need mm. to get rid of any bacteria. It does look very Can't clean. Can't have that building up now, can we? So I'm not sure how much DNA is left, though we can, of course, check that. But then, maybe, you're right... Maybe I just found it in a dumpster. And maybe, just maybe, I am in the process of having a psychotic break and talking nonsense. So there's no real proof that I had anything to do with his or Dr. Hardyside's death. Is there? And you think that's what's happening to you? What? That I'm having a psychotic break? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I've just booked a two-week trip to Morocco... I so wanted to see the Jardin Majorelle in Marrakesh. So, well, why would I think I'm going loopy if I have the wherewithal to book a holiday? Oh, no. I know there's no proof. 
but it's just so good to get it off my chest. I mean, there is more. The other victims, I can tell you about a few of those, and maybe that'd give you mm. a better idea of my mindset. Yeah. How does that sound? If you think it would be helpful, though I must remind you that our session lasts for only... 55 minutes, yes. yes. Oh, you were very clear about that. And up front, which is something I like, but... Do you know what? What? I like you, Dr. Boyden. I have this sense that you're not at all judgmental. You're truly listening to what I'm saying. Even though I know there's doubt in your mind. I mean, well, why wouldn't there be? You know, a, a new client just rocking up at 11.45 one morning, placing a real skull on your lovely glass table and then mm. recounting a tale of death, no, murder, of a fellow colleague who was a little bit rude. Well, I'd be a little anxious, to be honest. But you, well, you're taking it completely in your stride. It is so lovely to sit here and chat mm. Whilst enjoying such a spectacular view, the sky is so crisp oh, yes, today. Yes, yes, it is indeed extraordinarily blue. It's very refreshing, but now let's get back to you. Right. Well, as I know time was limited, I'll only talk about the first few victims, shall I? Mm. I mean, we can save the others until our next session, if you like. If you think that would be helpful. Oh, indeed, indeed I do. So, well... Let me take a few items out of my bag and place them on the table. Will right. that be all right? Yes, if it helps you. Do. Firstly, here's April's metal spike. Oh, then Ian's wooden meat tenderizer. Mm -hmm. Oh, and here's Steve's rectum. Now, don't worry. The container is completely sealed, so there'll be no spillage. And three needles containing sodium theopental pancurionium bromide and one final one filled with potassium chloride. Well, obviously I've refilled them since I last used them on Mr. Walmsley. Steve, that is. Oh, and finally, a DeWalt DCD 776S2TGB 18V 1.5AH Li Ion XR cordless combi drill which I used on Mike Collard, who, if you remember, was going to be my first Last victim. Yes. But Andrew Farnsworth presented himself and became a last-minute replacement. It's funny how things work out, isn't it? Mike ending up with the others. Still, if he had behaved himself, then he'd still be here. But never the mind. Is, uh, is all this okay? I feel like a TV presenter. You know, like the ones on a cooking show, with all their ingredients and appliances out on display. Yes. I have, of course, fastidiously cleaned all these. I'm guessing there's no DNA evidence, but, well, as we said before, you'll just have to take my word for it and push onwards with what's going on in my mind. Mm. How does that sound? Uh, please, do continue. It must have been burdensome to have brought all this with you, especially on our first meeting. Well, I thought it would help. You know, speed things along a little. Because you can talk and talk about such things, but well, when you have the, the well, let's say the tools of your trade to help you tell your story, mm. well, then it not only helps the person you're telling it to understand, you know, some of your thought processes, but it makes everything, the whole scenario, seem a little more real. Gives it gravitas. Look at me with my words. I sound like a ruddy thesaurus. Mm. But I do feel, with matters relating to my quest, 
that one should aim to be as articulate as possible, do you not think? <laughs> Whatever helps you express your feelings, emotions, issues, which is what we're here for, works for me. <laughs> but just to clarify for myself, if you don't mind, you did say rectum. Oh, yes. Oh, it is indeed. It's lasted rather well, hasn't it? Oh. But maybe, if I can, I would like to go through the first few victims in order. Just because it helps me remember. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't want to go off on some tangent and forget an important fact, which might help you to be able to help me. Please do so in your own time. Well, I'd better whiz through them then, as I'm guessing your next client will be here soon, and we, we wouldn't want to take up any of their valued you time, would we? Oh, that's very considerate of you. Not at all. So, let's start with April Weatherly. She came along two months after Mr Farnsworth. Now, this one was more of an emotional termination. Basically, well, basically, I rammed a metal spike through her spine at the base of her skull at a cinema in Canary Wharf. You see... I had the unfortunate displeasure of seeing Ms. Weatherby twice before we met for the last time. You see, she had been to see a couple of films that I'd also watched, and April, who always went alone, just like myself, in fact, at first, it made me feel rather good seeing someone else frequenting the movies alone. Some people would think it's rather odd, a bit of a Billy No-Mate situation, but I beg to differ. There is nothing like sitting there in a relatively comfy seat, in the darkness, watching a film you so desperately want to watch on the big screen. Mm. Now, April was eating her popcorn very loudly, and after putting up with her grazing for at least 30 minutes, I asked her to be more considerate. Well, I thought that I'd asked her in a civilised and decent manner, but she responded like a petulant child and gave me serious attitude. She bluntly told me to, to get lost and mind my own business, and then she proceeded to cud and graze, but now at increased volume levels. I mean, such infantile and immature behaviour. The others in the cinema were now looking at me as if I had done something wrong. I mean, quite absurd, really. Especially when I know it was irritating them as well. Well, I wasn't having it. I wasn't going to spend good money on a cinema ticket and have the experience ruined by a noisy eater. And not just noisy, but also downright rude. I decided to frequent the very same cinema and watch out for April. I soon found out she was a bit of a regular, and I followed her into the auditorium a couple more times, well, just to see if she had been having an off day when we spoke, or whether she was, you know, just an awful individual. It soon became clear that my initial appraisal of April was correct. Each and every time she visited the cinema, she was obnoxious to those around her and kept eating very loudly. So I made up my mind, well, <laughs> that I needed to kill her. I decided to act while we were watching a romantic drama called Green Fields of Destiny. I positioned myself behind April and when she started to eat loudly, I rammed a metal spike into the base of her skull. 
I had only the time to do a little research into craniocervical junction disorders, so my efforts were rudimentary, to say the least. But as I pushed the spike in, I grabbed her head and covered her mouth, which was full of salt popcorn, just to make sure she didn't call out. I had to jiggle the spike around a little, and I could feel it crunching on the bone as I moved it about. So, well, I don't know whether it was that which killed her or what happened later, but she certainly passed out, which was wonderful, as we could finish watching the film in silence. I quietly moved to the seat next to her, and when the film finished, took April out through a side door, supporting her, intimating that my friend was a little drunk. My beloved zip hire car was parked close by the exit and I bundled April in and took her home where I pushed her down the stairs into the cellar, stripped her and popped her into a metal bin filled with hydrofluoric acid and watched her bubble away till there was almost nothing left. Then I drained the bin, scraped what was left of April into a metal bread bin and took the remains to the Thames Barrier Park and emptied them into the river. I kept her fingernails, though. I'd noticed those and pulled them out with some pliers before rolling her into the acid, as a token of my hard work, well, and as they were well manicured and maintained. Does what I say shock you, Doctor? It's a little too early for me to give you an answer. I'm more interested in hearing what you have to say. I have to say that you seem to be very clinical in recounting these situations. Does the fact that you have taken a life not fill you with any sort of emotion? Well, I must say that when I sense that my victims exhale their last breath, it it does fill me with a great sense of satisfaction. I'm almost jubilant, to be honest, that I have succeeded in my task and not been caught. Right, but with that said... Are you not putting yourself at risk by coming here and admitting all this to me? Well, as we've said a couple of times during our meeting, where's the proof? I mean, would you like me to inject you with the contents of these three needles? They could, of course, just be filled with water, but then... What if they weren't? Now, that does present an interesting situation, doesn't it? Indeed, it does. And... Are you considering me as a future victim? Oh, I don't think so. You're the first person who has treated me with a degree of dignity and, shall we say, understanding to a point. No, I think the road that you and I are going to travel along is a long one. There are many more miles ahead of us. Is that a journey you're interested in taking? I have always been a firm believer that if you're truly going to help a client, then there could well be some risks involved. But if you're asking me if I feel threatened by you, my answer at present is no. Oh, that is a relief. Now, that's not because I'm wearing a designer blouse from Netaporter, not oh. something grubby and in leather. <laughs> no, no, no. Your fashion and uh, taste, shall we say, are not an influencing factor on my answer. Shall we stay on track now? I'm aware that our time together today is limited. Of course. Next was Ayan, the wooden meat tenderizer. Ayan Patel. Let's see, now that was five months after Ms. Weatherly. He ran an off-licence on Roman Road and was selling fireworks to underage customers, yet 
Despite warnings, he continued to do so, and one of the fireworks he sold was set off by a 14-year-old youth, which burned a terrier named Blighty who had to be put down. He continually disregarded the law. Tower Hamlet's counsel seemed remiss in their duty to prosecute him. So, well, I... I had to give them a helping hand, which I don't mind doing from time to time, civic duty and all that. I waited outside the rear entrance to his shop late one Thursday night. It's to one end of a small dead-end street. I had been watching Ian closely and getting to know his timetable. I waited beside the door. It was a bit chilly, but I really had to take care of this matter that night as I had a presentation to give at work the following afternoon and, well, I needed to get back to put the finishing touches to it. So out he came and I unflinchingly hit him over the head with a piece of iron piping as he took out the trash. Trash that he always tossed into the commercial dumpster, which I know he didn't contribute towards and which really should have been emptied more often. I then stuffed him into a suitcase. As it was a dimly lit street and it didn't go anywhere, I knew there'd be no one around, and then I loaded that into the car and took him back to my cellar, where I further bludgeoned his head with a wooden meat tenderizer just to release some tension. The presentation I mentioned earlier was really taking me the distance, and my boss was being so, so picky. Very frustrating. And then I carved him up. I am, that is, not my boss, with an Arbitec IND 200 industrial carver, and then fed him to the foxes over a two-week period. Are you saying that your real-life frustration with your boss and the presentation you were about to give, did that manifest in you excessively bludgeoning Mr Patel once? And I'm guessing this to be the case. You knew he was already dead. I suppose he was going to die anyway. And the presentation... Do you know, why are people so picky about typographical fonts? I mean, what is the real difference between Arial and Helvetica? They're both clean and easy to read. So why do people feel the need to go into lengthy discussions about the pros and cons? We must have spent about... Oh, 90 minutes talking about that very issue, when I could have just been writing the ruddy thing and getting home at a decent hour. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me and getting on in years, but really some of these youngsters, they're so self-indulgent and unnecessary at times. It does make my blood boil. And are any of them on your list potential victims? Oh, Doctor, <laughs> what must you think of me? Really? I'm not going to get all worked up over a font style. Oh, but noisy eaters. Uh, are you implying that I'm being fickle about the choices of my victims? I'm just interested in your criteria. Nothing more. We all make personal judgments. Who's to say who is right and who is wrong? I suppose, but... Well, really, the very thought of killing one of the youngsters in our office because of that... It doesn't bear thinking about... Mind you, leaving unwashed cups in the sink. Now that is another matter. Mm. Don't get me started on that. But we can save that discussion for another time. Yes. Uh, shall we continue mm. with the first, shall we call them, batch? The first batch of victims. How does that sound? Very good. I know you're on a schedule. And I I'm meeting Larry, a decorator friend of mine, for coffee after we're done here. So, well, I'd better push on or both our days will be out of kilter. Please, continue. Yes. The Needles, Steve Walmsley, London Underground Driver. 
I dealt with Mr. Wormsley three months after Mr. Patel. He wouldn't clean up his dog's poop in the park, and after I stepped in it a couple of times, in the early morning when the light isn't particularly good, well, I had had enough. I ask you, what does it take to buy a packet of dog poop bags? You can even get them from the pound shop. I did have words with him about cleaning up after his dog, but he was rude and dismissive. Why? Why are people so taken aback when somebody stands up for themselves and points out a wrong that that person has done? I mean, why? I often feel that the world thinks I'm the one who's in the wrong, but am I? Really? I ask you again, is standing up for a little common decency a crime? You know, we all live together. In this very overcrowded city, millions of people practically living on top of one another. We all have to show some consideration if we're going to be able to continue to exist this way. It's not hard to understand. Anyway, I had come to know when he took Rocco, his dog, out in the morning. It was very early, about 5am, before he had to get to work, so I waited and watched him take the dog out, go home and then walk back through the park to get the tube to work. I knew it was risky, but I had had enough, so I waited behind the trees beside the ranger kindergarten, and just as he passed, I stepped out from behind one of the big old trees, which could really do with some attention from a tree surgeon, and injected him in the neck with sodium theopental. I'm not sure if you know about this drug, but it's used in... in lethal injection executions. That's right. Of course you'd know. How silly of me. Which, as you know, is used to induce unconsciousness. I propped him up against the metal railings and brought the hire car around, which was parked nearby on Cornwall Avenue, and bundled him in the trunk. I I just need to point out that I am very fit. All this carrying and bundling of people into cars. I started training when I was planning to get rid of Mr Farnsworth, just to help me with some upper body strength. And, well, well, it continued, as I absolutely love it. Releasing endorphins and all that. People often seem to think that women, slight women like myself, are, are weak, physically, I mean. Well, that absolutely isn't the case. I mean, just look at the actors in all those Chinese, Japanese and Korean shows. K-drama, especially. Oh, I have come to love those. Such outrageous storylines at times. But if you just go with it, you soon buy into the premise and they are so much fun. Well, those chaps and ladies, lots of them are very slender, not muscly at all, but, but toned. But it's their determination and willpower that gives them their strength. It's in the eyes. You can just tell at a glance. Mr. Wormsley. Oh, yes. I managed to get him home just before the morning rush hour started. Lots of people start to walk through the park after 7.40. I kept him in the trunk all day. I had prepared and taken a work-at-home day. I popped back to the car to re-inject him a couple of times, just to make sure he didn't cause a ruckus. And then, at 1am the following morning, I dragged him out of the car and into my cellar, where I injected him with pancurionium bromide to cause muscle paralysis and respiratory arrest, and then a dose of potassium chloride to stop the heart. May I ask how you obtain such drugs? 
They're very difficult to get hold of. Do you know, that is just what I told Mr Farnsworth as I was skinning him four years ago. Plain packaging and PayPal works a treat. As long as you have the money, so few people ask questions. You'd be surprised what you can get away with. I see. Talking of Mr Farnsworth, I had so enjoyed skinning him that it was something I wanted to revisit. So Mr Wormsley was also skinned. I did do a much better job on him than I did with Mr Farnsworth, though I did apologise to him at the time and said I would get better. I just needed some practice. And even if I do say so myself, I was right. Mr Wormsley's skin came off a treat, probably because I didn't feel rushed so I could take my time. Mr Wormsley did have some lovely tattoos and I so wanted to keep them. One day I'll get them framed. I think I'll have to get a frame online and have it delivered after all. I can't really go to the local framing shop and ask them to mount me a slice of Mr Wormsley's flesh with a tattoo on, now can I? (laughs) And as for the rest of him, I butchered him and carved him into steaks, which I cooked, let cool, and then took to Marvin, a self-employed dog security handler who looks after the railway arches at Gales Gardens, which is now super trendy, and he fed them to Alamo and Dredger, his two Alsatians. I boiled the bones and then threw them into Victoria Park a couple of nights later for the foxes. I kept his rectum and marinated it, just because it looked so pretty and pink. It seemed like an ironic reminder that you really do need to clean up your poop. Though that's not an after-dinner story I can go around telling, is it? (laughs) Goodness no. And as you can see, I keep it in a permanently sealed plastic container so it will stay just so for years to come. It's it's pretty much like pickling onions. Hmm. It looks as though your marinating juice is working well. Doesn't it? Lemon and rosemary marinade with olive oil, garlic, salt and pepper. Well, Miss Sharwood, it does look as though our time today is coming to an end. Oh, yes, but if I may, and very quickly, hmm. can I tell you about Mike Collard? Right. And the drill. It, it really won't take long and I can I can speed right through it. Right, then let's keep it almost like a bullet point presentation, oh, yes? Well, there you go. You mentioning presentations takes me back to what I said earlier. Now, I don't want you worrying that I'll go back to the office and take out one of my younger team members. They are safe. Well, from me, anyway. That thought really hadn't crossed my mind. Well, you say that, but do you really mean it? Just joking. Mm. Right then, Mike. Now, he was the digital support manager at the software company I work for. Yes. And I killed him four months after Mr. Wormsley. Right. Historically, he was known at the company for his wandering hands, where the female employees were concerned. I don't think he ever tried it on with any of the chaps. I I don't think he was, you know, that way inclined. Well, anyway, he was still getting all fresh and fruity with his aforementioned wandering hands. But the moment he tried it on with me at the spring office party... I knew that something had to be done about it. Otherwise, it really was going to get totally out of hand, so to speak. It was almost as if I was kicking myself for not taking him out first. Was that a mistake? Now, there's a question I asked myself a couple of times. I don't know. Really, I don't. But anyway, to make up for a mistake I might have made, I needed to handle this matter toot sweet. I thought, you know what? 
I'll play along and sort this chap out sooner rather than later. And I suggest it as we were having drinks one evening. Now, that's not something I usually do, but in order to achieve my goal, sacrifices needed to be made. That we meet for an intimate picnic, but not to tell anyone, at Island Gardens War Memorial Park, just off Saunders Ness Road. He readily agreed, as in his drunken state, he slurred, Any holes a goal? So, I met him there, suggesting that we travel separately. Even though it was raining, I still insisted we should meet. I mean, rain washes away the blood, and it had saved me having to worry about any evidence at the scene. I brought along a big umbrella. After all, a secret rendezvous at night with the rain under an umbrella. How sensuous and sexy was that? <laughs> I also bought a lovely grey-coloured polyester blanket, which I covered the bench with. Once there, he was all nervous as I came on to him in a determined manner. I took his face in my left hand and smiled sweetly as I caressed it, whilst pulling out a DeWalt DCD 776S2TGB 18V 1.5AH LIION XR cordless combi drill from my recycled shopping bag in my right and drilled a hole into his left temple. The shank masonry bit, 25 by 450 mil, cut through the flesh and bone like butter. And after a couple of body judders, he slumped onto my lap and was finally at peace. I didn't want to waste the falafel and tomato sandwiches I'd bought, so I finished those and then bundled him into the car, wrapping him up in the polyester blanket. Once I had him home and in the cellar, I first cut off his hands broiled the rest of him and then separated out his limbs and organs and placed them in large freezer bags which over the next four weeks I distributed to London's rodent population as I walked back through Brick Lane and Whitechapel. The bones I carefully packaged and sent via express airmail to a delighted traditional Chinese bone medicine practitioner in the Guangdong province in South China on the South China Sea coast, so he could be put to good use and benefit the local community. I kept the hands and glued them together so they looked as though they were forming a bowl. I placed a salt lamp replacement electrical lamplight fitting in the middle and, hey presto, Mike had become a unique bedside light which had its own personal story. I'll bring that to show you next time. I couldn't quite fit everything in these bags, and as I'm going to meet Larry, I didn't want to have to carry such a lot of stuff into Covent Garden, which is where I'm meeting him. Mm. <laughs> there now, that didn't take too long, did it? No, you really did speed through that encounter. So, our time is up, and I think we've certainly covered a great deal of ground with today's session. Has it been useful to oh, you? Oh, goodness, yes, indeed it has. <laughs> I know that you don't really believe all that I've been telling you. I don't think you're, you know, humouring me. I get the feeling you know something is going on, but you're not quite sure what to think, are you? Well, I'm not sure whether I believe you is what we're trying to achieve here now, is it? You clearly have a great deal going on and have found a way and means in your reality, shall we put it, to tackle those issues and satiate them, but it seems to be a temporary solution to a much bigger, let's say, problem. I don't think for one minute that I can come to any conclusion momentarily, but as we talk more and, as you put it earlier, travel along this road together, I'm hoping that with my help 
you can discover a means by which to deal with such urges without going to the seemingly great lengths you have been. Well, let me clear away these things while you talk. Yes. I'm guessing your next person is waiting, though Rebecca does serve a lovely cup of tea and mm, you've quite a selection of biscuits, though yes. maybe you should think about adding a vegan option, you know, oh. just for those of us who choose that lifestyle. Yes, yes, of course. I'll talk to Rebecca about that. Right then, I think that's everything. Are you sure you're all right? As the hour's gone on, you've become a little whitish. I'm absolutely fine, thanks. Even though this is a great office, it's such a shame that the windows don't open. Mm. We could really do with a burst of fresh, well, London fresh air from time to time, couldn't we? Not rely on the air conditioning. Oh, too right. <laughs> well, shall I book an appointment? I can take care of that for you. Oh. Now, does the same time and day next week suit? Absolutely. Perfect. And I'll be sure to bring along some bits and pieces to show you, Hmm. if you think it'll help. Well, it's your hour. So you bring to the session whatever you feel you need to, and we can take it from there. hmm? But, please, if you will, promise me this one thing. Between now and when we next meet... I will try my level best, if I'm able. That should you have, you know, the urge... What? To kill? Yes. Even if it's only in your mind, just the slightest inclination, Mm. then you're to call me on this number. Right. That one, right there. It's an after-hours number, a service that I provide for my clients just in case they should ever need someone to talk to. Well, isn't that thoughtful? (laughs) So kind. You know, I will. Not that there's anyone on my radar at the moment, but, well, you never know. Seven days living in a city with as many people as London has. Well, (laughs) you can't tell what's just around the corner now, can you? Mm, My thoughts exactly. It's been a good first session, and I'm eager to continue our work together. As am I, Dr Boyden. Now, there is one question I have just before I leave, and Mm. I I hope you don't find it too presumptuous. I will answer, if I can. And it's appropriate, of course. Well, uh, as our time together has gone along, I've noticed that, well, I'm slightly embarrassed, but I will ask, especially as you now know an awful lot about me, so I should set aside any feelings of awkwardness. Now, I've noticed that as the sun's rays have been shining through the windows, your skin just, well, it absolutely glistens. And now, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but I wanted to know, well, whether you used, you know, any product. Is that too much to ask, I wonder? Well, it is a little personal, but as you have rightly pointed out, you have told me a great deal about your own life. So, I'll let you into a secret. Mm-hmm. I do. Not tested on animals, oh. I hope. Oh, no. Absolutely not. My partner would never agree to let me use such a product. Well, that's good to hear. Well, until next time then. Mm. Oh, and Doctor, one last thing. Yes, Miss Sherwood. Oh, don't be so formal. Vivian, please. Thanks for not calling the police. That would have been complicated now, wouldn't it? And, well, the repercussions. What would they have been? After all, (laughs) I know where to find you. Still, it's been avoided, thank goodness, and long may we travel this road together. Until next time. Goodbye. (laughs) And thank you.
Rebecca, can you pop in for a moment? Yes, Doctor. Uh, your next patient, Mr. Willoughby, is uh, here. Uh, Would you like me to send him in? Uh, in a moment. First, uh, can you talk to maintenance and see if they can start out the air conditioning mm-hmm. in here? It feels like I'm suffocating. Uh, certainly. Uh, um, can you bring me a couple of those prescription-strength cocodamal painkillers from the cabinet? Mm-hmm. Take the key from my desk. If Mr. Willoughby can wait for just a couple of minutes, that would be helpful. Mm. Dr. Boyden, are you okay? Well, you uh, do seem a little drawn, if I'm to be honest. I'm not entirely sure. Is it Ms. Shawwood? You know the confidentiality. Yes, of course, Doctor. I'm sorry. I'll get your tablets. No, there's no need to be concerned. It's just that for the first time in years I'm a bit worried. Is she deluded? Or something more worrying? A psychopath? A sociopath? Or even has a narcissistic personality disorder? I can't quite place my finger on it. Not at present. Oh, for goodness sake, why can't I think straight? Then maybe it's just this. That she watches too many dramas and has lots of time on her hands. Your tablets, Doctor. Oh, thank you. She is a vegan. <laughs> if that helps any. <laughs> oh, God. If it were just that, I'd sleep more soundly, I tell you. Thank you. Uh, for the tablets. Please, show Mr. Willoughby in. Mm. And Rebecca. Yes, Doctor? Let's get some vegan biscuits. Mm. The sooner the better. Yes, Doctor. Mr. Willoughby... The doctor will see you now. Skin 2. The Session. Written, directed and produced by Simon James Collier. Music and soundscape design, Zachary Elliott Hatton. Co-producer, Adam Deschanel. Recorded at the Umbrella Room Studio, London. Engineer, Ben Robbins. Graphic Design, Clockwork Digital Studios. Cast, Samantha Boffin, Mitch Howell, and Georgie Montgomery. <laughs>